Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It's that simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in in your state yet, you can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $1 on any team to score and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code THPN. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 years or older. New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and a $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Want to go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Only thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. <laughs> and welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 164 of the big show, some enforcer-based podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another Sunday morning. I'm actually recording this uh, Saturday night. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Here we are, hanging out in the uh, in the basement at the uh, palatial estate known as Fourth Line Voice Offices here in Martinsville, Saskatchewan. Um, how's everybody doing? Um, if you're having a, hopefully you're having a, it's easy like Sunday morning for you. Or you're probably most likely listening. Judging by the uh, the numbers, it's most most of the time it's Monday morning um, on the commute to work. So let's attack the work week. If you're listening to this on your headphones on the on your commute in, uh, good luck to you. No, how's everybody doing? Um, 
yeah, guys, like I said, it's uh, it's Saturday night, and uh, what are we going to talk about? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's 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 weird when uh, I'm mean, kind of like I said when I'm doing all these these solo episodes and stuff. It it all sort of seems to run together. Like I said, the wife and I were out shopping today, and all of a sudden I look, I'm like, oh shit, I got to record something tonight. Yeah. Um, so here we are. Um, yeah, today. Uh, the only thing I'm really going to talk about. Well, one, someone was nice enough to uh, once again. There's a few people. Okay, well, I'm gonna. I'll start with this. Um, actually, I'll start with the sponsors first. Then I'll we'll talk to you about a few things here uh, before we really get into it. Um, as I said, I'm a member of the Hockey Podcast Network. There's over 50 shows on the network. Uh, all the NHL teams are represented. So whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. So check it out. Of course, they're, uh, as the season rolls, they're, uh, well, every week they got, they got stuff to talk about. So, uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, for my off network friends. Oh, yeah, he's back now from out, out from gallivanting from, uh, playing laser tag running around Salt Lake or wherever he was in Utah, uh, shooting Daffy Duck. Uh, the mud show down on floor five for fighting Alec. Yeah, he's he's back at it. Even even managed to hit record and uh, and uh, put something out there for the people. But I will say he is uh, keeping his end up on the. Uh, he, he's big East Coast Hockey League guy this year after getting uh, moving to Florida and buying the season tickets of the Everblades. And uh, I think he must have the ECHL package too because he's uh, he's hitting the fight clips hard and. Um, I gotta say, you know, I mean, I'm a fucking crotchety old bastard and everything else and, and go on and on about the hockey, but, and how much I dislike it. But, uh, I will say the East Coast League off, I mean, off to a hot start. I mean, um, the boys are throwing it down. I mean, I can't, uh, I can't deny that for sure. And there's been some good ones. Uh, Skiho got into a good one the other night. Uh, big fan of his, uh, from the dub days and, uh, yeah, and then of course Florida, you know, with Newbauer and them going, and uh, yeah, the East Coast League's looking looking hot right now. Um, of course, with that stupid ten fight rule, um, I sort of worry about what the new year will bring. Once guys start getting around that six, seven, eight mark, you know, and it's about uh, halfway in the year, then all of a sudden it's like, well, we, we better you know slow it down here because we want some fights going into the end of the year. I'm assuming, wow. <laughs> I was going to say, I would assume the totals reset in the playoffs, but uh, who knows these days. But um, but yeah, right now the East Coast League's rolling. So, I mean, I know Alec pumps it up all the time and I always give him shit about it. But, you know, I can't, uh, in all seriousness, you know, compared to the other happy horse shit that's getting played out there. Yeah, you know. But uh, Five for Fighting podcast, definitely give him a... Give him a, a listen. Um, I know now that he's back, he's, he, I know he's been pretty busy, but I think he, uh, I think once the new year hits, I think he'll, he'll get back into the saddle and, and start a regular. I know he wants to start a regular schedule again. Um, he's just been busy, obviously, with the vacation and, uh, I know the, uh, they're doing the re-wedding ceremony and all that stuff. So, I mean, and obviously uh, life gets busy, right? But, uh, I know he has signed on with uh, Six Pack Sports and uh, on their network. So I know, um, you know, I'm sure there's some expectations on him in the new year, uh, you know, to uh, come out on a regular schedule. I know that's Alex's plan. So, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I know, and I know a couple of the guys that he wants to talk to. So really looking forward to those interviews. But uh, in the meantime, 
Um, he does have a tremendous back catalog. I hate saying that. It kills me to say it, but he does. Um, but Frank Bialois, Segroy, Rob Ray, Yablonski. Yeah, some really good stuff there. I, I definitely, uh, highly recommend you guys checking it out. He's also the creator of the Enforcer Appreciation Group on Facebook. If you happen to be on Facebook, I think the whole world's on Facebook. Um, sign up for the group. Lots of, uh, videos get shared in there and pictures and just, uh, some some talks and uh, yeah I know on the show here you hear me ranting about it and you know yeah I mean a, a bunch of these goof a bunch of there's a bunch of these groups have some friggin goofs in them but without a doubt but there are a lot of good they're the good obviously far outweigh the bad and uh, like I said when they start talking real stupid we just kick them out anyway so uh, I don't let that uh, deter you from signing up. Uh, but yeah, if you happen to be around Facebook, definitely check it out. Like I said, it's the closest you're going to get to the fight message boards of the old days. So, uh, definitely give it a look, but, uh, yeah, five for fighting podcast, definitely check them out. And then of course, old Broadway Joe there, you know, his, his, uh, HQ, how about that for a headquarters? It's the most famous arena in the world. MSG. That's where you're going to find Broadway Joe Lazito, fitting that Joe is at the center of the universe in New York at MSG. Go Rags, go Rangers, go. Um, I know it kills Joe, but I mean, hey, you know, that's the employer, right? Joe does a, is a diehard New York Islander fan, and of course he has the Coliseum Chronicles podcast, where it is an Islander enforcer-based podcast. Um, he has had tremendous guests over the last couple of years. Dakota, Dean Ewan, Strudwig, Asham, Trevor Gillies, on and on. Um, work has taken Joe away, and he has become a lot busier lately. So uh, the interviews are, it, you know, it's getting a little tougher to find the time, as we all struggle to find time in our lives to do this. But uh, so bear with, because I know Joe has some things planned, and uh, if he can get some of the guests that uh, he's working on, it'll be it'll be tremendous for everybody. So. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we are anxiously awaiting Broadway Joe and uh, the words of wisdom. Every once in a while, he does some solo episodes. He gets ranty about Christmas music and uh, and, and all that, and his uh, his disdain for George Michael's Christmas song. And who was it? The waiters, the waitresses. Was that what it was? The waitresses. I don't even know what the hell song he's talking about. Maybe it's a New York thing. I don't know. But you play that, it'll make Joe's ears bleed. You know, and God knows he doesn't want to get that. Uh, what's going on back there? I got yelling at him. You're distracting me here in my, in my, uh, in, in my halfway through my my intro here, and I'm getting bothered. Uh, like Joe, when someone yells Oscar Lindbergh, he's looking around. What's going on? Uh, yeah, no, Jolton Joe, Coliseum Chronicles. Give it a listen. Um, don't bug him tomorrow, though. He's going to be jumping through tables with the Buffalo Bills, and you know him and the wife. They do they do table jumping and stuff. I don't know. It's a whole Bills Long Island thing. But uh, but if you happen to be in downtown on Broadway, you're on MSG. Stop by, ask to talk to Joe. Good dude. He'll hook you up. Whatever you need, Joe's the guy. He will open doors. There might be the back door, but doors will open for you. A lot of doors will close, but every once in a while you'll get lucky. But definitely check it out and uh, tell him you want to stop by, see his Yule log because Joe sells merch. You know, it's New York. Ask people to see their Yule logs all the time. It's a New York thing. But uh, definitely give Jolt and Joe a, sh- a shot. Coliseum Chronicles.
Give it a Lazito. All right, folks. Episode 164. What are we going to go at today? Well, someone sent me, I said, someone sent me a list and it, uh, this will fire up a few folks. Like I said, I don't know. I haven't looked at it. Maybe it's a good list. I hope, actually, I kind of hope they're, I kind of hope it's not. Uh, I have a bunch, I have some people that send me lists and stuff all the time. As I always say on this show, uh, I like doing the list episodes. You guys apparently are big fans of lists. So, uh, uh, well, okay, before I get into that, I have put it out on social media, on Facebook as well on Twitter. Um, I want to do the fight fans all time top 10 enforcers. So I, I created an email enforcervote at gmail.com is the email account. Please, if you have not, send me an email, uh, before, uh, Tuesday afternoon. Um, of your top all time top ten, and don't get in no particular order. I know it has to be in order. I even wrote that in the post. Don't write in no particular order. It has to be in order. I get three emails from guys in no particular order. Like holy shit, is reading comprehension that tough? Come on, boys, what are we doing? Then other guys, oh, I just can't do it. It's just too tough. It's like okay, guys, you know, work with me here. It's just for a podcast exercise. We're just bullshitting fight fans talking. We're not fucking landing planes here. It's, you know, we don't have to take it that serious. You know, I, I think we can just do a list. It's anonymous. If you send me the list, I'm not going to, oh, and John wrote, I'm, you know, I'm not doing that. Um, yeah, it'll be anonymous. Don't worry about it. Enforcer vote, all one word, at gmail.com, your top 10 list. Send it to me before Tuesday afternoon. But I have about, uh, I'm looking now, um, actually not a bad little turnout. I've got about almost 50, so that's pretty good. Um, I put it on all the Facebook groups and Twitter, so, and uh, I will, uh, Tuesday when I get home from work, uh, I will add them all up. Um, I've been adding them up as we go here. Um, and yeah, basically I just want to, we'll, I'll do the vote, assign points to everything, and uh, I want to see who the uh, top 10 uh, according to the fight fans is so that'll be uh it's a list done by the listeners for the listeners so i'm interested to see how it turns out um well i will say i from just going through the ones that i've gone through the top four is pretty much consensus but the last six there's some been some interesting names so it's, it's been pretty cool to see um you know like people's thought processes right because yeah i mean you know, it's, I mean, every, I don't think we're talking like, holy shit, it's a big revelation. I'm sure after all the numbers are added up, I'm sure Probert will be number one. So, I mean, you know, you kind of one, two, three, oh yeah. But, uh, you know, every once in a while, it's, uh, it's cool to see, um, like I said, what, uh, what people are thinking out there. So, um, yeah. So that, that is something to look forward to on Wednesday's episode. Um, somebody brought up, uh, it was, um, it was a, a, a kind of a 12 stories of Christmas thing or whatever. Sorry, I'm playing. I get fidgety here while I'm sitting there talking to you. I'm banging on that elastic. Um, we're, we're was talking about kind of a, a, a Christmas thing. <clears throat> yeah, it was uh, like it was a, uh, what was he? What did he call it? 12, 12 rounds of Christmas. That's, uh, I'm looking it up here. It was 12 rounds of Christmas and it was just, uh, well, yeah, your name's in Chinese there, so I won't, uh, um, but, uh, I don't know if he wants his name out there, but, um, no, and I appreciate you very much. So for listening to the show, thank you very much. And I, and thank you for sending in the, um, uh, 
the suggestion. I will always appreciate when the listeners send stuff in because um, you guys have some really great ideas. And uh, no, it was 12 rounds. Yeah, and it was like 12 story. It was a good idea. I hadn't even thought about that. It was funny. I haven't even thought about a Christmas episode. Um, I remember the first year before I was on the network when I had my own uh, .com site and I was doing this. Um, I, I I don't know how I pulled it off, to be completely honest. After <laughs> I did the 12 guests of Christmas and I had 12 different people on. Um, it's all like fight fans. I had a few players on, um, you know, and I, and I gave them all like kind of Christmas themes, like, um, your three toughest guys, your three or the three, instead of the three wise men, um, your three beauty teammates. I gave Jamie Rivers, um, and he told some great stories. Um, Rivers is all, Jamie Rivers is awesome. Really nice guy. Great storyteller. Tremendous. Um, but I, he was on, and I had like Terry Ryan and stuff, and then I had some fight fight fans, and like Dan from the Obey the Puck show, uh, you know, five toughest flyers or whatever it was, and it, you know, I just kind of did like a Christmas type thing, and it was it was it turned out really cool, and I really enjoyed it. Um, but I still can't believe I got that many people to come on. Maybe I don't know if it was because. I, the concept was fairly new, and I mean, people were still. I I don't know. It was before the whole podcast, like. Like I always say, everyone and their dog has a podcast now. So maybe the novelty's worn off, I guess. Um, And it's so hard. Um, It's such a struggle to get people to listen because there's such competition out there. Um, And especially when it's ex-players. I mean, it's really hard. Like, I mean, I've bitched about that. I'm not bitched, but just kind of... I know I've talked about it on here probably at nauseum at this point. But yeah, like when you got John Scott or McMorrow or... All these guys that can just like go through the Rolodex on their phone and just phone dudes and you know, sure thing, brother, and they get them on right away. And it's like, because I actually had someone the other day, like McMorrow's been getting some great guests, and they're like, yeah, well, why don't you get why don't you get guys like that? And it's like, well, really? Like, do you think I have his Rolodex? Like, the guy did play pro hockey for like fifteen years or whatever, and junior and stuff. I mean, he's got a far. I mean, I do okay, but you know, he he knows a lot more people than I do, so. um you know, um, so those guys definitely have the built-in advantage and, uh, and the name, like, you know, um, so yeah, it's, it's just tough sledding out there getting guys and, um, you know, and you, and you try to stay relevant with, with players and, and stuff like that. But I don't know. I always just tried to be unique and, and get, uh, just different, like junior guys or minor league guys that, you know, it's a different voice and, um, a unique voice. Um, there are certain players that, you know, they make the rounds and they do all the podcasts and, you know, and I mean, and some of them are fine and if they want to come on, that's cool. But I don't know, to me, it's, it's a lot of rehashing stuff. And, uh, I don't know. Um, once they've kind of been on other people's shows, I don't, uh, it's just, what do you, what do you talk about at that point? I mean, I don't know. I have a hard time getting guests that, I mean, I've had guys that do other shows. You know what I'm saying though? It's just. Or if they've been on another show, I don't want to, I don't want to get them on real soon. I don't want to burn them out. Um, I don't know. I, maybe it's just me being weird, but, um, yeah, it, uh, but yeah, it's just tough getting guests. And then of course, when you at to begin with and let alone, you know, in December now with the, with the silly season going on. And I mean, not only are they, they're busy, but you know, I'm, you know, we're busy. I'm busy too. Right. So. I mean, I, I've worked every day for the last couple of weeks and, um, you know, before that was the move and everything else. So, I mean, yeah, I haven't really had a lot of time to set up. So, I mean, you're getting, 
I mean, I've, I've stayed true. I think I've only missed two episodes, but I'm staying, I'm still keeping, keep going the two episodes a week for you guys in the last little bit. But yeah, I mean, it's just been me yapping. So, you know, and I mean, I mean, I've seen the, 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 the show popularity drop down. I mean, you know, your the numbers certainly, obviously, depending on who your guest is, climbs and, um, yeah. Or, you know, and it depends. I mean, I have my regular listeners. My numbers are, you know, maintained at a certain spot all the time. But, uh, you know, it, it's been really up and down this last month. And, um, uh, you know, whatever. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, and I, and I can under completely understand doing, what is it, six or seven solo episodes in a row. Yeah, people just get tired of your voice. And and there's only so much you could, I could talk about, right? I mean, I can do different lists. So I mean, that that part of the show is you is um, will be unique to its to the episode. But um, other than that, I mean, you know, how much yelling can I do about new hockey and everything else? So it's like um, I get that it gets fairly tiresome. But uh, like I said, guys, hang with me here in the in uh, in the new year. Uh, I have got some ideas coming, and I will definitely get back on the interview train. And uh, yeah, I will. Uh, I'll definitely be doing that. So. Bear with, um, but after all that rambling, where where was I? I don't even know. Hold on, where's my? Oh, um, I will say uh, somebody did ask me, and I kind of addressed this in a previous episode, but they asked me about, um, <coughs> pardon me, about starting a podcast, and I was just like, don't. Um, it seriously, uh, I, I I know, I guess. Um, I don't know if I'm the person to ask about that. I mean, uh, I'm certainly not going to try to come across like, you know, oh, I'm it's it's me and spit and chiglets taking on the world. Um, I I guess just in terms of you know how long I've done it for is the the point of asking. But because um, I I think I read somewhere that the average podcast lasts 13 episodes, so I guess I'm at what 164. So yeah, I'm doing pretty good. But uh, you have to love it. Uh, seriously, um, I, I get really frustrated with guests sometimes and, and all the, and the bullshit that comes with that. Um, and some days you like, there's some days you just don't want to record. And I've had a few of them lately where it's just like, you got shit going on or whatever. You're just tired. You're just not into it. You just don't feel like talking, but you have to, I promised Isha and the network guys that I would do two shows a week. And, uh, you know, and I'm going to honor that. And, um, so, um, Anyway, to get to your question about the podcasting, um, figure out the reasons why you're doing it. I mean, you know, you have, I think you have to be passionate about it. I think a lot of, a lot of people, and I've seen it even with some of the network shows that have just come and gone, you know, they start off hot and heavy and, oh, this is going to be great. And the first couple episodes are real fun to record because they told their buddies they were going to do it. And they sat around one night and recorded. No, it was awesome. And they had some beers and it was a good time. And then, you know, but then reality starts setting in. Oh, when well, we got to do episode two, three, and four, I mean, you start phoning around. Oh, I can't tonight. You know, whatever. I got to take the kids to hockey or I got to work late or I picked up an extra shift. And oh, well, we'll do it next Thursday. Oh, yeah, sure thing, bro. Next Thursday, you know, next thing you know, it's been three weeks and they haven't recorded anything. And, and I've seen that happen. And I've heard the stories of that happening over and over again. So, um, and, and you're just, like I said, it depends what you want to do. If you just want to get together with some friends and just do a hockey show and you just talk about current hockey or if you're, you're Leaf fans or, or whatever your interest may be, okay, if you can handle, 
And it's tough because there's a lot of time, like when, even when I started, it's like you hit record and you start to see. That was the thing though. Like, I guess I was in kind of in a different spot than some people, than most people that start podcasts. I mean, most people get on social media, they're on social media and I'm not trying to whatever. I'm just, this is how it is, but they don't really have any follower. They might, you know, have some followers, but they don't really have a big social media presence. And then it's like, well, I'm going to start a podcast and everyone's going to listen. Well, if you have no social media presence, who who's going to listen? I mean, you can't just, I have a podcast, come listen. Well, who are you? You know, um, I was, that was the plan. Uh, well, Kevin was initially who started all this. That was the plan was to build the social media presence first to at least get a following and then start the podcast, um, which I continued on to do. So I sort of had a built-in audience. Now, granted, oh, it's like I have 3,000 at the time. It was like, oh, I have 2,000 followers on Twitter. They'll, you know, oh, they'll all listen. Well, probably a th- at least a th- half of them aren't active on Twitter anymore. And then you have some bot accounts, I'm sure, or whatever. So, I mean, you're probably only going to get a couple hundred people to listen, which is fine, whatever. But um, at the time, you have this mistake, like, follower count is who how many people are going to listen or Oh, I'll be big now. Like, well, no, because even now I have over 6,000 followers on Twitter. 5,500 of them don't listen for sure. You know, um, so you got to go on Facebook. You got to branch out. You definitely have to promote. And at the same time, it's, and maybe this is me personally, but there's one thing to promote. Then there's another thing to me to spam. And there are some shows that spam and, I can't do that. I, to me, it comes across really desperate, but some people don't have a problem with it. Um, you know, at the same time, well, that's how you do get your name out. To me, I think if you, this was more, you become more irritating than anything else. So, um, I wouldn't do that, but I mean, I put up my episodes once a day, like every morning, you know, usually when I get to work or whatever, I, I'll post them up again each day. Um, and even then I feel like I'm spamming, but, um, but I think the biggest thing, if you're going to do a show is do something you're really interested in, um, and be consistent. If you're going to come out every Monday, do an episode every Monday. Don't every three weeks or a month or whatever. Cause no, that I've, I, I was terrible at that at the start too. I was inconsistent and I'd hit and miss and whatever. Um, since I've got on the network, I, pr- I promised them a Wednesday and Sunday shows and I've done that and I've seen my numbers grow. Because people get used to they slot because there's so many podcasts now and I think people that listen to I think people that listen to podcasts are there's some people that just like you're I only listen to one show but a lot of the people that I know that I talk to myself included I listen to a number of podcasts and they each have their days and whatever and so it's like oh the fourth line and the Civil War podcast I listen to those are the, those are my Wednesday shows and then whatever Rogan's on Thursday or whenever and you know what I mean and um so there's this, everyone has their listening schedules. So if you start missing that mark, they're just going to forget about you and, and, and keep going. Cause like I said, there's so many options now. So, and again, what are you talking about? I think I was in a unique position where I started talking about fighting. Um, there, I mean, there's a million hockey podcasts, but myself, Joe and Alec are the only ones talking about fighting. So yeah, fighters doing podcasts. I mean, they'll have enforcer guests now and then, but it's strictly a fight podcast. 
I would say the three of us are the only ones. And at the time when I started, I was the only one doing it. So I had a unique sort of, um, uh, show idea. So that helped too. Um, and I'm not saying you have to come up with something unique, like, oh, yeah, we're going to talk about the fucking egg deficit in Guam or something. I'm not saying that, but I mean, if you're going to do a hockey podcast, it's like, well, my favorite team's the Calgary Flames, so I'm going to do a Flames podcast. Uh, okay. I mean, whatever, if that's what you want to do, and that that's cool, but it's that's tough to break in because there's probably 15 Flames podcasts. I don't know. I mean, at the end of the day, I guess just, and I'm not trying to, like I'm great or anything. You ask me the question, so I'm answering it for you. And I don't, I don't mean it like arrogantly, but I think you have to be just try to be good. Like, I, I don't know. It sounds so stupid. Try to be good. Like I'm great or anything, but I think just I, in terms of just, I'm not saying that, but just like in terms of like research, if you're going to, if you're going to talk about something, research the, the idea or, you know, be informed. Don't, you know, just don't, people will know when you're bullshitting. People know when you don't know what you're talking about. They can see right through it. And um, and I think if you continually make a good product and you're consistent, um, your show will grow. I'm not saying it's going to get get you on a major network or anything like that or, you know, get you to TSN. But um, if you want to, that's my advice is consistency and just try and don't, one of the biggest things, and, I, and I'm guilty, of this, especially lately with these episodes, and I mean, I've been doing it for a while, so I'm a little kind of used to it, but, oh, be prepared. I, I can tell the episodes when I'm prepared, and then the other episodes when I'm just winging it. Kind of like this, when you're 26 minutes in. A, I can tell when I'm rambling. Well, I ramble a lot, but when I'm prepared, and I'm, and I'm crisp, and I know what I'm going to talk about, I can just, I can feel it in the episode. It goes a lot easier. Um, when I'm sloppy and all over, I'm kind of just like, oh yeah, I gotta do a show. Okay, hit record. Yeah, I can, you know, fiddle fuck my way through it, but, um, I don't know. To me, I think it's suffered. The product suffers a little bit. And I'm not gonna lie. I think in the last little while with everything that's been going on, yeah, my show has, um, I don't, I don't want to say they've sucked because I think some of the lists have been good and, and, and the discussions have been good, but I haven't been good. I know that. I, not, you know, I've had some good uh, segments, but uh, I've missed on a bunch of shit too, you know, and that's, that's my fault. And, um, but I just haven't had the time to do my research like I have. Um, that's another reason why I didn't want to get a guest on. I never, I've never had a guest on when I wasn't ready and uh, I've been ready with questions and I will never, to me, that's disrespectful to the guest to start with. That's the main thing. And then two, it's disrespectful to the listener. Um, you know, cause they're tuning in, you're, you're asking them to take time out of their lives to listen to your product. And, um, and then you like just shit the bed and you, I don't know, to me, that's embarrassing. I can't do it. And I've listened to shows that where you can, you can completely tell that that's what they're doing and, uh, or they're just going to wing it or they're just going to sit there with hockey DB open and just ask random stupid questions with no thought, like, I don't know. I don't want to do a show like that. So don't do a show like that. It, Cause I, again, I think the listeners can tell. And, um, so that's my only, that's my advice. Um, be consistent research, you know, I mean, if you're going to do something and cause this takes a lot more time. I think that's the other thing I'll end on this. Cause I know other people are like, I don't give a shit. Just get to hockey. 
I will, guys. I will. But it was a question I kind of want. I want, it, and if the guy's going to do a fight show and stuff or whatever, I want other fight. That's the thing. I want to say this, too, because it's been brought it, It's been brought up. But it gets mentioned every once in a while, like, um, with Joe or Alec, that there's, like, competition. And there isn't. Um, not at all. We help each other out. We'll send each other guests. Like, I mean, there's been times it's like, well, you should talk to him. You'd, you'd be better on your show or it'd be better on you, you know, blah, blah, blah. You know, no, there is no competition in that sense. Um, but at the same time, we all, you know, it's, we, we all want to be the, the main, sh- whatever, the main fight show. I mean, that should always be your goal is to be, try to do better than everyone else. I mean, that's the goal. It's not trying to, at the same time, you don't have to shit talk or shit on anybody, not at all. And I love the fact that Alec is, is back and doing it and, uh, and Joe is rolling along and, yeah, it's great. And, um, this guy asking me, I didn't ask him what kind of show he wanted to do. I was, he just asked me about a podcast. But if it's another fight show, hey, cool. At the same time, I want it to be good because I want to listen to it. And if it's more content and the guy's got a unique voice and a unique take, I want to hear it. And if, um, and I want to hear him interview guy. That's what I always said. Actually, Alec, myself and Joe could all have the same guy on the show on. We could all interview the same guy and all three interviews will be different just because of the way we approach things. So that's cool. To me, that's cool. And, um, yeah, and if this cat wants to start another fight podcast and talk old school hockey, shit, I'm down for that. So if he's asking me for help, that's why I want to give him help. I want shows to come out and be, um, but I don't want them to come out and suck. So it's like, yeah, if you're going to do it half fast, don't do it. Because I can tell you now, and I, I've told, I said this to Alec, I think when he was starting and he was telling me about it and I told him and I go, go and ask him what I said. Like, and it, if it, it was true or not, um, it's a lot harder than you think it's going to be. And it takes a lot more time than you, it's a lot more time consuming. And that's the other thing. If you have a wife or kids, see, I don't have any kids. I have a wife who sometimes gets very irritated that I'm doing this. Not that I'm doing a podcast, but just the time it takes, you know, I mean, it's a little easier in the house now that we have space and she doesn't have to listen to me, but we were in that two bedroom condo. There was some nights that she, I, I try to get home when, before she, like I get home from work a lot earlier than she does. Um, I would try to get the episode done while she wasn't at home, you know, so she didn't have to listen to it. Um, but there was time, obviously all my interviews were at night. So she's sitting in the other room trying to mark books or watch TV or do whatever, have her relaxing time. And she's listening to me yammering away about fighting in hockey in the other room. So it's like, yeah, there was a few eye rolls at a few times. And, um, you know, I felt bad for her. Cause I mean, I wouldn't want to be sitting in the other room listening to her. I don't do a teaching podcast or something. Like I wouldn't want to listen to that. So it's like, I don't blame her. Um, but I mean, so you have to find that balance in your life too. And it's going to take up time. And especially if you're going to be consistent with it. And, and like I said, if you're going to research, well, you know, okay, that takes, everything takes time. So there's a lot more time that goes into this. So be, be aware of that. I can't stress that enough either. So yeah, good luck to you, man. And I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Let me know when you release the first episode and I will, like I said, I will, uh, yeah. And if you have, I'll try to help any way I can retweet it and let you know, or if you want to, if you need a guest or whatever, like I said, I don't know what the show is. So if it's a, for all, like I said, for all I know, it could be a stock market show. I don't know. But, uh, you know, well, if we go, hey, hey, if we go by real estate speculation, I'm a guy, I like to buy high and sell low. So get me on. I'd be a great guest. But, uh, no. So, uh, 
yeah, anyway, sorry to ramble on there, but there was my answer to a, a podcasting question. But uh, no, something, we'll get on to hockey here. But one of the things that I got brought up to me, um, and I, it's over, I guess it could be, a, this could be like the myth and reality portion. And I've talked about this before, but it's just like over and over again. It just, and, the, and some guy puts a, a clip up, and of course the announcers are even going on about it. Uh, why do clean hits lead to fights? They go on and on about this. Oh, it happens all the time. No, it doesn't. Why? Why? What is this narrative? Like, it's just some media-driven bullshit. And, like, everybody goes on about it. It was even in the Facebook group the other day. This guy's yapping about it. Yeah, that's the only thing that bothers me with these with these fights is they're after clean hits. And that's shouldn't happen we shouldn't have to fight if it's clean and if it's dirty i'm all for it but if it's clean why what do you who oh oh because he showed oh here and again i don't know how many times i have to bring this up but it's like okay so i went and looked at the top five hitters where's my list here it is uh gunas reed hathaway tanov whatever I added them up. Between the five of them, they actually had exactly 500 hits. Between, five of them combined have 500 hits. The top five hitters in the NHL. Do you know how many combined fights they've been in? Seven. With uh, two of them having uh, zero. <coughs> so there you go. The top five hitters in the league. 500 combined hits. Seven fights. Uh, as far as the team totals go, uh, LA, Carolina, Dallas, and Edmonton have two fights as a team, and Washington has one. So, there, apparently no one's been hit on those teams, I guess. Really. I will say though, I was actually surprised that the Islanders and Ottawa had ten fights each. And actually the Islanders and Ottawa, it's, well, yeah, that actually surprised me those totals. But, um, yeah, I mean, you have teams with single digits. So, no, clearly there isn't hits after every, there isn't fights after every hit. Stop with that shit. Example number two, Nicholas Cromwald. You know, get Cromwald. Career fighting total, zero. Somebody actually put a thing up with Crosby, Ovechkin, all this. Total number of points, total number of hits. And like Crosby and all these guys had like five or six hundred career hits, and Ovechkin had three thousand career hits. Oh, Ovi's a tank. Blah blah blah. Career fighting majors for Ovi four, but he's throwing three thousand career hits. Four fights. He has the same amount of fighting majors as Wayne Gretzky. But yeah, Ovi's a bad dude. Oh, don't mess with the Russian bear. Oh yeah. Okay. But to my point. 3,000 hits, 4 fights. So no, hitting does not lead to fighting. I mean, when they show highlights and stuff, and when you see clips, it appears that way. But the numbers clearly... But again, why look into anything or investigate anything? And even the, the guy that was showing the hit or whatever, and then the fight... The announcer's even crying. Yeah, you know, Steve, this is what I hate when it's a clean hit and they have to fight. They, it happens all the time. And the other guy, oh, I know, and blah, blah, you know, that's not, this is what the problem with one of the game is. And oh, God. 
It's just like, no, it doesn't happen all the time. But whatever. How about Truba throwing some hits there? Somebody that, when I thought about him, it's like, yeah, well, the hits were all clean. Like, yeah, those are some tough shots to take. And um, I hope the kid there for Chicago, um, sounds like he's back home. And I, I think he's had some concussion issues. So that was a, um, uh, I want to say it's Codre. It's not Codre. It's something like that, though. Um, pardon me for not knowing his name, but, um, yeah, that's a tough hit, you know, and you never like to see that. I mean, but at the same time, it's a clean hit, you know, and it just got the puck caught in the skates and was looking down and yeah. And, uh, it's a tough shot. Guy stepped up on him, you know, and then of course, yeah. And then you get all the guys, keep your head up. That's the first thing they teach him. Oh yeah. You, you know, fucking gym class heroes giving the NHL guy tips about keeping his head up. Yeah. Okay. Well, he got this, the puck was lost in the skates. I'm sure he's well aware to keep his head up. But things move, things move a little quicker at the NHL level than they did in Pee Wee there, buddy. So calm down. But, um, yeah. And then the, then the hit on McKinnon there. And, <clears throat> yeah. So Truba's, uh, throwing it around. And I, I was going to say, and somebody asked me, and I'm like, I don't, I have no idea who the fuck Jacob Truba is, but whatever. I do after these hits. So, um, yeah, man, keep throwing them. I dig them. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, like I said, you don't want to see guys getting hurt and stuff, but at the same time, hey, it's the fastest game and, and it's contact. And, uh, you know, as, as far as I could look at, those were shoulder to chest and, uh, some tough shots, you know, and that's the way it is. Um, oh, I was gonna, yeah, I put up, I wanted to see the response with that whole. It was like what it was last year, the year before. It's it's been going. It's been gone around. It's the Brendan Dillon, um, Austin Watson fight that was mic'd up from a couple years ago, and I put the clip up, and I was just talking about how just how embarrassing it is, and it was funny because I went and put like a Tony Twist video up about Twist talking about fighting, and just the contrast that. Like Dylan and Watson would have like probably pissed themselves if Twist was after him, um, and it was just the it was just the the difference in the approaches. Not that Dylan and Watson are fighters, but well, they're clearly not fighters. But just that the mindset and stuff like that of how it used to be and what it is now, and just the mindset of the fans. And I was gonna kind of get into a whole rant about that, but. Um, yeah, we're like 40 minutes in and, uh, um, so I, I want to do this Canucks list and, and kind of get out of here. My throat's killing me, but, um, I'm kind of going to, I will go into that. It kind of, it all sort of circles around the code and this whole respect bullshit and all this that, that was on full display on Facebook after I put that video up and I, cause I wanted to see what the responses were and I got the exact responses I thought I was going to get and it's just, this happy horse shit. And, um, like I said, fight fans have completely lost the plot to why there's fighting. Just this respect. Oh, it's a brotherhood. And, oh, God. Like, just... Ugh. Why? No, it's not. Like, just... Why? But, yeah, I I just don't have the energy to fucking yell about it tonight. I just don't. It's it's so this whole code thing and respect bullshit is so mind numbing. 
I don't, I don't get it. I just, and like I said, this is like, I expect that goofy shit from like hockey, Twitter, Gen Zers, but these are in fight groups with supposed fight fans and you read it and they've just like, completely lost the point of what this all is. I mean, I know the game's different, well, completely different. And I know the mindset of the players is completely different, but the idea of it should, I, I'm, I'm often surprised, I don't know why, but I'm often surprised at how far gone the game has from the seventies, eighties and that, like the game I grew up with. Not, and I mean, it's like, oh, it's better now. You know, I'm not talking about that shit. I'm just saying with the mindset and what goes into it, um, because you can, we can talk about the speed, the change, the equipment change, the rule changes, and the athletes, and everything else. You, can, you strip that all away. It'll always come down to the to nature and physical aggression, intimidation will always win. And I know the taboo word is bullying. Everyone likes to throw playground jargon around when we talk about grown adults playing hockey, apparently. But nature over nature will always beat nurture. And it's like, it's been proven over and over and over again. But no matter how many times it's proven, the fans just cannot wrap their heads around it. Just this soft ping pong hockey doesn't work. When the chips are down and it's down to nut cutting time, you're happy horseshit pond hockey. Yeah, it'll work in January in some, you know, third game in three nights on the road. You just want to get out of town. Yeah, that'll work then. Come the playoffs, it ain't going to work. And it's been proven over and over and over again. And people still do not get it. Hockey people get it. Well, apparently old out of touch ones get it, but then they're told by the next generation that they don't know what they're talking about. You can yell at Tortorella not getting it, Don Cherry not getting it. You know, meanwhile, between them, they have three coaches of the year in the NHL awards and a Stanley Cup. But no, they don't know. The writer for the athletic knows. Oh, yeah. The guy on Sportsnet knows. Stevie Dangle knows. Yeah, okay. You know. So, now, are they right about everything? See, what, and that was the thing with Tortorella talking about that, that the goal and that it was bad for hockey. I know what he meant. If you weren't so busy raging at the TV and yelling about, okay, Boomer, and all this stuff. If you listened to what he was saying, I understood it. But idiot Gen Zetter doesn't. He just yells at Torts, doesn't know what he's doing, puts a little dinosaur emoji. The athletic geek, yeah, see, this is why I told everybody we don't want Torts in Chicago. Because of this mindset. Oh, that's why I said, so if, if Tortorella doesn't agree with your new age mindset, then he shouldn't have a job in the NHL. That's where we're at with writers now. Yeah, oh, I don't agree with him, so don't hire him. Okay. The athletic, written by the unathletic. Yeah. I should make a t-shirt of that. I could have sold that around on the internet for Christmas. The Athletic written by the Unathletic. But, yeah. No, the whole code thing and stuff. Like I've always said, I want to do a whole episode on it and stuff like that. But 
that was sort of my uh, first shot in the uh, in terms of the debate, and I wanted to see what the response was. I knew what the response was going to be, and you guys did not disappoint. So, anyway, let's get on to this Canucks list, shall we? While the while the night's getting the hours are getting slim here. All right. Well, thank you for sending this, uh, Michael, for sending this list to me. It was the top top 20 fighters in Canucks history. And I always like to do this when people send me lists at this point. Um, and if you have a list, please do send it to me. William, I'm very, uh, William that I had on the show with the Winnipeg chip away. Um, he has found an article, a really old article from Winnipeg. Uh, John Ferguson talks about his top 10 all time fighters. I think it's from like 1980 or something. And he, and, and he gives a breakdown of each guy's. And so William's going to send that to me. Really looking forward to bringing that list to you because especially from that time period, it's always kind of cool, right? Especially Ferguson, you know, it's a little different than, uh, the athletic writer giving it to you. So, I mean, anybody that sends me a list now knows kind of what the whole gimmick is and what I'm doing here. So, um, like I would say, I know I'll, I won't click on the link until right now. Um, so the, I don't know what the list is going to be either when I do these shows. So, um, so the, my reaction that you're hearing is authentic because I don't know what the, what the list entails. So I am learning with it as, as you are listening. So uh, here we go, the top 20 fighters in Canucks history, and it's from Bleacher Report. That's a little older, 2011, Adam Graham. Um, oh, it's because it was about the ripping, you know, yes, the ripping thing. Man, he's only 27 years old. Yeah, lost a good man, tough and poor, Rip Rippin. Yes, we did. Um, to find out, Let's take a look back at the ultimate tough guys in the 40-year history of the Canucks. Criteria now, I rank these fighters is based on the number of fights as a Canuck, how successful a player was in those fights, the quality of opponents, and overall power and fighting skills of the player. Jeez, okay, this guy really broke it down. Before I begin, I must credit HockeyFights.com and DropYourGloves.com as the sources for all the fighting statistics. Oh, one's gone and the other one sucks now. How things have changed in 10 years. Um... I reference in this list, such as the number of fights and fighting records for certain players. Yeah, drop your gloves. You could vote and stuff, and yeah, yeah, take those take those um, fight records with a grain of salt. But I get, I dig it though that he did the. He, that's cool. This actually should Adam Graham. By you're right up so far. It sounds like you're on top of shit. So I think this might be pretty good. So we'll see here. I do not need to see the video. Uh, Number 20, Scott Walker. Well, we're off to a good start. Um, at 5-11, didn't take on many heavyweights. He simply wasn't in that class. However, his fights were always entertaining and usually consisted of an all-or-nothing style with Walker holding nothing back. Good example of his fight is with Dodie Wood in the 96-97 season. Rarely any jersey grabbing or hugging from the pit bull. He, went, he wanted to throw down, and he did so on 32 occasions in regular season play and three full seasons as a member of the Canucks. Yeah, Scotty Walker was awesome. Um... Really great fight. Yeah, the Wood fight was really good. His fights with Mike Keane were really good. And he had a... Well, everybody remembers when he got busted up with a cheap shot from Michelle Petit in that line brawl. He's got blood all over his face and everything, and he just beats on Petit. And, yeah, but I'm a big fan of Scott Walker. Um, tremendous. Yeah, good call. You're off to a good start. Night. Oh, really? Well, there you go. Yeah, Adam. Adam might be... Maybe he might even be a listener of this show. Either that or he's on, you know, I'm liking your cut of your jib so far, Adam. Number 19, Dave Richter. 
never thought I'd see Dave Richter on a Bleacher Report article. Very good. 6'5", Dave Richter. Only played in Vancouver for two seasons, 86 to 88, and he fought 14 times. Richter was a big, strong guy. Good fights as a Canuck. Despite his fight card lacking very many big-name opponents, he won most of his fights. Did a good job protecting the skilled Canucks. Richter fighting Gord Kluzek for the Bruins back in 87 while sporting the Canucks' vintage yellow jersey. Uh, it's worth mentioning, Richter once fought the Canuck current GM, Mike Gillis, although Richter was playing for the North Stars at the time. Um, yeah, Richter, there's a guy that seldom gets talked about. Um, for any of the... Uh, Younger listeners out there, for the people that don't know, um, definitely hit up uh, YouTube and check out Richter. Um, yeah, he was in North Stars, Philly. Um, I'm, not that I'm trying to profess, like, I'm a big Dave Richter expert. I'm not at all. Because um, I can remember getting some old, like I said, 80s assorted DVDs. And I'm like, who is this guy? He's just, like, chucking lefts. And I was just like, what? And like, a big dude. Um, had a great fight with Probert. Um, check him out on YouTube. Richter's got some good shit. Um yeah, under under definitely um, underappreciated for sure. But cool, he's on the list though. That's all right. <laughs> Number eighteen, personal favorite of mine, Alex Stoinoff. Oh, it could have been. Um, Sto- yeah, here we go. Yeah, Stoinoff is mostly known as the guy that traded away to acquire Marcus Naslin, one of the most lopsided trades in NHL history. But while Storinov's hockey skills were no match for Naslin, his fighting ability was extremely respectable. In his 62 regular season games with the Canucks, uh, Storinov matched a 7-6-1 record in 14 fights. Uh, the fight of Dodie Woods. Dodie Woods' name is popping up everywhere uh, is an example of the top tier. Top tier. But it's an entertaining fight in which Storinov gets the decision. Um, I know what a 7-6-1 record. I'm like trying to think of his fights. But um, yeah, Storinov was in its beauties. I just put up a fight with him in Twist. Um, from the, the other night. Um, I was a big fan of Stoinoff. Big dude, threw down. Um, like I see a, a bunch of his minor league stuff. He was, he was, he'd throw wide open. Yeah, he had the great fight with another really great fight you should look up. Stoinoff. It's S T O J A N O V. Who keeps texting me at, uh, 10 to 11 at night? Um, and, oh, for the, and for those wondering, uh, Stoinoff is not a Russian. He was born in Ontario. Because um, I, I noticed, yeah, it was actually last night, somebody on Facebook was like, who are the toughest Russian fighters? And somebody put Alex Stoinoff, and it's like, he's not Russian. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, like I said, he'll always be known for that trade. And I mean, in hindsight, everybody, you know, whatever. But at the time, um, like I, I broke this down, actually, if you went back and looked at Stoyanov's numbers at that time, everyone was looking for Probert. It was the mid nineties and Stoyanov came out with a first round pick, big dude. Um, and he had good numbers and, uh, you know, uh, really good, uh, numbers in the OHL, um, put up like a 20 goal year in the American league. And then it was like with the Canucks for like four games at the end of the year and scored four goals. So it's like, holy shit, you know, and then this guy was fighting and stuff. Yeah. And Naslin at the time in Pittsburgh was sort of just run of the mill, whatever second line wing, you know, soft European winger. I mean, that's just what he was. And he got, you know, plenty of time in Vancouver and obviously blossomed to a great player. But, you know, at the time, I mean, the trade made sense. Pittsburgh was really soft. Stoyanoff showed a lot of promise. And, you know, that's what I try to tell everybody. Yeah, okay, in hindsight, it's, oh, I can't believe they did that. Well, okay. You know, yeah, now, but at the time, if you went back and you put yourself in that time period, 
wasn't a bad trade. Like Pittsburgh was soft as shit and they needed him. But I think Stornoff was in a car accident or something. He really got, he got hurt and he was never the same. And it, it kind of just, it kind of killed his NHL, um, his NXL dream. And I think he was kind of, um, uh, who'd I have on the show? I had a player that was a teammate with him on the show. It was a Paul Ferrone, I believe, that talked about Stoinoff just kind of being, you know, just kind of not taking it ser- in, down in Syracuse, just not taking it serious, kind of being out of shape and stuff. And, uh, you know, and I think that obviously, you know, led to his demise in terms of his NHL career. But, yeah, I was a big Stoinoff fan at the time, though. Guy, Regardless, the dude could fight. Uh, number seven, oh, here, Ron DeLorme. I'll tell you, this dude's list is solid so far. Savvy veteran by the time he was acquired by the Canucks, spent the final four years of his career and part of the 82 Cup final team. DeLorme racked up 24 fights as a Canuck, but perhaps his most memorable fight came in the 82 Western Conference when he bloodied the face of Grant Mulvey at the Blackhawks. Uh, well, that was a good one, but I would say his most memorable fight was against Jamie McCown. Uh, for anybody listening, uh, Ron DeLorme versus Jamie McCown. Put it in YouTube, watch it. One of the best hockey fights of all time. Definitely check it out. 6185. DeLorme wasn't the biggest fighter ever. He's really under, underestimated because of the speed and power of his right hand. Yo, here you go. Great toe to toe battle with McCown that ends with DeLorme getting one last powerful punch in with the right hand. He actually broke McCown's jaw. After his playing career ended, DeLorme became a scout with the Canucks and is credited with being the man to discover Vancouver legend Gene Wojcik. Um, yeah, DeLorme, I know Tony out there listening, he talks, DeLorme's at all the Giants games all the time, they talk all the time, so he's a really nice guy. Actually, Ron, thank you, he's been nice enough to sign a few things for me. Um, yeah, DeLorme was tremendous, um, you know, with the Rockies and stuff, and then with the Canucks, I was a big fan of DeLorme. Great fight with Semenko on YouTube, definitely check it out, tough dude. 16, Darren Langdon. Huh, that's right, I forgot, I actually forgot Langdon played for the Canucks, oh, there you go. Uh, Langdon fought heavyweight division by the time he got to the end of the best strategic fighters in the league. Remember the Canucks, Langdon played just 45 games in 0203 season, racked up nine fights. However, his 6-2-1 record with those fights speak for its spell, as speaks for itself. One of Langdon's trademark was to feel the opponent out early and wait until later in the fight to fire off a series of punches to finish things off. Uh, here he is versus 6-7 Peter Worrell. Um, Langdon also had the ability to dominate weaker opponents like he did against Luke Richardson. Um, yeah, I'm a massive Darren Langdon fan. Like I said, uh, uh, way back when, when I was on the Morning Skate podcast, we were talking about different fighters and they were kind of doing like, uh, word association with me. And, um, Ked, who's a big Ranger fan on the show, asked me about Darren Langdon. I know he loves Darren Langdon. And, um, yeah, like the one word I could give was like Picasso. Like I said, when it comes to like fighting, Langdon's an artist. Um, he really is. I mean, you go and watch, and I mean, undersized guy, but, and some people might find it boring. To me, I always found the art of the fight, um, like, yeah, not everyone's Morasti, right? Or Rippin' or whatever, toe to toe. And I mean, those guys, video fighters, yeah, those are fun to watch. Like Tasker and Sand's great to watch, and Morasti and Bosse and stuff. I get it. Yeah, those are really great fights. But I like the art of it too. And, uh, and Langdon was like, you know, he was undersized, so he's trying to survive. But, uh, yeah, cross grip, tie you up, throw with both hands and wrestle and, um, but not like wrestle like Neil Sheehy wrestle. Like Langdon wasn't like that. Like Langdon would throw punches too. Um, if you really want to get an appreciation for Langdon, you should go back and watch some American League stuff with him. If you want to go to my YouTube channel, Fourth Line Voice on YouTube, um, I have some really good Langdon stuff when he fights Vandenbush in the American League. 
uh, I'm going to kill my buddy Kevin. I think that's about 19 texts he sent me. Like, are you serious? Um, I think he must be in the sauce or something. Um, but yeah, Langdon was, uh, I mean, you know, what more is there to say about Darren? I'm, like I said, I'm a huge Darren Langdon fan. Sorry, folks. I'm talking about here. I am telling the other guy to be professional. I'm going to turn that down. No one wants to listen to that. Um, yeah, Langdon was awesome. Uh, 15, Cam Neely. Terrible move, but the Canucks trade away Neely at such a young age. Um, however, Neely racked up a physical brand of hockey. 31 fights in three seasons of bank. That's uh, interesting. I didn't think Neely. Hmm. I don't think Neely fought that much uh, in Vancouver. Neely was wasn't afraid of anyone. One of the Canucks when he fought Dave Semenko to a draw during the eighty four eighty five season. Man, that is news to me. I did not know he fought Semenko. Maybe I did. I don't know. I don't. I don't remember it. Um, well, Cam Neely is one of my favorite players of all time. Um, I mean, I've seen a bunch of his fights and stuff. I just off the top of my head, I just didn't think he had fought that many times in Vancouver. Um, that's weird. I didn't know he fought Semenko. Huh. Um, yeah, what does it say about Cam Neely? One of the greatest power forwards of all time. He's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. And left-handed. Uh, was, like, seriously pissed when he fought. And Hey, I, lo- I love me some sea bass, right? Uh, yeah, Cam Neely, man. 14. Hey, former guest of the show, Chris McAllister. Um, for anybody listening, please go back and check out my interview with Chris McAllister. We talk about his... Five toughest opponents. Chris is a good dude. Definitely check it out. It wasn't that long ago that I had him on. Definitely give it a give it a listen. Big dude, man. McAllister, big bad man, standing six seven, tipping the scales at two forty. Didn't spend much time in Vancouver, but during his sixty four regular season games, he fought twenty times. Majority of McAllister's fights were against other heavyweights in the NHL. Uh, one of those heavyweights was Wade Belak. Yeah, well, and the funny thing was, of course, when they played for the Saskatoon Blades, they were defense partners. Imagine that, Belak and McAllister. You wouldn't want to go in either corner with those two. Um, that's a good fight, too. Um, yeah, man. Um, yeah, McAllister's a huge guy, and, uh, yeah, he, uh, he really got rolling there. And, uh, yeah, uh, like I said, give the, give my, uh, episode with Chris a listen. Um, he was a great guest, and, uh, like I said, we talk about the five toughest fight. We talk about the fight with Belak, and, uh, yeah, give it a listen. Um, 14, Chris McAllister. 13, Orlan Curtinback. Yeah, most Canucks fans know that Curtinback was the first ever captain on the team when joining the NHL in 1970. Uh, 62195 was nearing the end of his career by the time he joined the expansion Canucks, but he still had plenty of toughness left in him and racked up 11 fights during his four years. Back Curtinback was so tough that boxing trainer Murray Gregg claimed that Curtinback was one of the best fighters of his era, referencing his long reach, quick fists, and and de- and that delivered some huge uppercuts. Unfortunately, I can't find any video clips of Curtinback throwing the knuckles around as a member of the Canucks. But if you look back at his photo, you should be able to tell. It's all you need to know about his toughness. Um, yeah, there's a lot of talk, you know, um, at the 60s and 70s of Curtinback. Uh, um, again, video is kind of scarce. Um, I'm not going to sit here and, and... Again, guys, I just opened it. I'm discovering this list as you guys are listening. So I can't say I didn't go and research it. I mean, I guess I could hit pause now and go research it. But uh, um, I'm not going to claim to be a... I mean, I know the name and I know the history of his fighting and, and all that. But um, yeah, in terms of huge wins or videos and stuff, I can't really give you any on that. Um, I definitely want to... Uh, I'm going to go venture onto YouTube tomorrow. Um See what I can find. Um, cause I'm definitely interested. Um, but yeah, 
apparently a real bad dude. And, uh, yeah, I definitely want to look into that. This is a cool list, though. This guy's uh, really turning over the stones and, and, and throwing out the... You know, I don't want to call them the B side because that's not that's I don't mean it to be disrespectful like that. But a lot of these times you do the lists, it's like just kind of newer age guys, and you're kind of like uh, okay, and then you go on about a list of who should have been on it. But this guy's this guy knows what he's doing here. Number twelve, Kevin Bieksa. Now maybe it could be questioned the order that he put him in, but he's throwing out some good names. Um, there's no question he has fighting ability. He admitted studying videos, potential opponents, and uh, and a staggering 24-3-1 regular season record proves he knows exactly what he's doing once the gloves are off. 24-3-1. Um, really? Okay. Um, the only problem with BX is that he rarely fights anyone in the heavyweight division. That's probably a good thing for Canucks fans. He's too valuable to team risk getting hurt. Nevertheless, the caliber of opponent BX takes on is one of the reasons why he doesn't crack the top 10. Um yeah, I mean, that that was, oh, well, back when everyone fought, you could kind of, you know, whatever, pick them apart. Um, again, I that was sort of when I was getting out of hockey, and I didn't really pay all that much attention. I will say there was a few times, I remember having this discussion with people, I kind of thought BX had really kind of picked his spots and really kind of stopped fighting towards the end. And I can't remember what game it was. Was it, it was the game, was it the Flames? When they, they all line brawled right off the opening face-off. Anyway, I think someone was trying to fight BX, and he ended up grabbing some rookie kid that wasn't really much of a fighter and kind of gave it to him, I believe, if I remember. I might have my facts. I think I think that's how it went, though. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I've never, I was never a BX of guy. All that Superman punch was, you know, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, what the fuck? But, hey, it worked. Um, although it looks really bad when it doesn't. Um yeah, I'm, no, I'll be completely honest. I was never a BX. I'm a fan of his, um, not that I watch a lot of hockey, but um, I barely watch any at all. But when I am happen to be over at my parents' house, usually on Saturday nights, the old man will have it on in the back room and we'll just be bullshitting and having beers. And, um, we have, I've enjoyed BX's banter with those guys. Like, he's the only one that's, like, legit on there. And uh, he's taken the piss out of Jennifer Botterill a few times, which I liked. Knocked her off a peg down a peg or two. Um, yeah, but I was, as far as a player goes, I was never a BX, that guy. Um, he always kind of irritated me, but, uh, you know, he's on the list. All right. Number 11. Hey, there you go. Another fellow guest of the show, Wade Brookbank. Yeah, Wade. Uh, again, if you guys want to go back, I've actually had Wade on twice. Uh, I, we had a, did a two part interview, which is his entire career. We timelined his entire career, which is a lot of fun to do. And then the last time he was on, again, it was another five toughest opponents. Again, encourage you to go back and check those interviews out. Wade's super nice guy, was really giving with his time. And uh, you know, he was he was just cool to listen to. Yeah, and, and a big and a fight fan. I mean, he was a fighter and stuff, but he was a, he was a fight fan and with video and whatever. And uh, and I know he liked breaking it down and stuff. And uh yeah, definitely go back and check those uh interviews out. Um you got you won't be trust me, you won't be disappointed. They're really good. Uh, Brookbank was one of the top fighters in the league during his brief NHL career. 6'4", 220, Brookbank fought best of best and was the only NHL because of his fighting skills. In fact, he was a highly, he'd likely rank higher on this list had he stuck around for longer than 52 games with the, with the Canucks. Um, yeah, well, and then of course his epic KO of Oliwa, uh, in his first ever shift in a Vancouver uniform. Yeah. And Wade tells that whole story and it's, it's, it's a good one. But yeah, I remember when that happened on Hockey Night in Canada. 
I happened to be at my parents and um, my brother played junior with Wade Brookbank. So I knew Wade. I met him. Um, obviously, he was my friend, my brother's friends with him. And so, you know, he's a Melville millionaire, SJHL guy. So to hear he and he took a long road to get to the NHL, like a lot of minor league fights and he did it every year. And really nice guy, so it was cool to see him finally get his NHL debut. And you know, Hockey Night in Canada, or I guess it was it wasn't his NHL debut; it was a Vancouver debut. And uh, they're playing the Flames. The only one was the Flames at the time. And yeah, and Brookbank dropped him. And I remember that my parents. I was sitting there with my parents watching it, and we all cheered and Wade buckled the only one. It was it was cool, man. And uh, yeah, Wade's good, good. Wade's good people. Check out check out the interviews. Good dude. Number 10, Sean Antosky. Uh, Antosky's overshadowed by Ojik uh, in the enforcement department when he was here. The two guys played at the Canucks in the early to mid-90s. The majority of Antosky's 22 regular season fights with the Canucks were against the heavyweights as he stood 6'4", 235. Antosky could throw a right hand fast and hard. He was a force to be reckoned with and proof in his fight where he KOs Phil Crow of the LA Kings. Um, yeah, Antosky, again, another guy. Um, yeah, the Canucks really were drafting guys. You know, another first-round guy to the Ontario League. Um Again, put up good numbers in the IHL when he was with Milwaukee before he came up. Thought he would play a little more. Um, I don't really know the whole Antosky story. I mean, it seemed to bounce around and he was gone. I don't know if it was head injuries. I don't know um, what happened. He kind of he flamed out, like I said, for a first rounder. But um, yeah, big dude. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember fighting Twist after Twist scored and shit and. Uh, yeah, I mean, Antosky had some good tilts. Um, you know, really good one with, uh, was it Turner Stevenson? And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't have much to say about Antosky. I, you know, I never, I mean, I know who he is. I've seen him fight, but I don't, I don't have anything for or against him. You know, it's, but there you go. I don't know about number 10, but all right. It's cool he's on the list, though. It's like, it's not some egregious pick, but okay. Oh, there you go. Number nine, the late Jack McElharvey, Wolfman. Um, yeah, uh, great hand speed, beat some of the best fighters in the league in the 70s. Most remember for being part of the Broad Street Bullies Flyer team. Uh, he did spend a few seasons with the Canucks in 167 games, fought 31 times, successful most of those fights. One of those fights in his first game with the Canucks is where you can watch it here. Well, I'm not going to click on the YouTube video, but yeah, McElharvey had that really good fight with Fatio. It's on my channel with Fatio. kind of gives it to Nikki. Um, he always did well against Fatio. Um, trying to think of some other McLarty fights. Um, oh, I'm just drawing a blank on them. Um, but yeah, like I remember obviously mostly with the Flyers and stuff. Canucks footage from back then is so hard to find. I know, I know Tony and them go on it. You know that's it's it's tough for them to, uh, you know, the, the Canucks footage just isn't out there and stuff. You know, there's a lot of guys uh, that unfortunately, you know, when you're out there in that in that time zone at the time. Just didn't see a lot of them. So again, older guys. I've seen I've seen his fights with Fatio and stuff um, sparingly against other people. Um, so again, I'm not going to sit here and start rattling off his fight card because I don't have it. Um, but tough dude. Uh, number eight, Rick Rippin. Um, I will. The thing I always say about Rippin. I mean, he was undersized and everything. But man, again, another what a technician, and he had that arm block thing. I've never seen anyone do it. Um, 
If you don't know what I'm talking about, go just type in a Rick Rippon and watch a bunch of his fights. Not just one, but especially the fight against Boris Vallejbeck, because that dude's like six foot six. And it looks so funny with the height discrepancy, but then like Rippon just gives it to him. But watch what he's doing in that fight. He blocks with his arm. Um, that's a shame. And of course he had his mental health issues and ultimately led to the suicide, unfortunately. And, um, real sad story. And it's, um, <clears throat> selfishly, I would have loved to have sat down and just talked with the guy. I'd love to have him on a platform like this to talk about just the technique that he came up with. And, uh, yeah, Regina, I remember watching him here in the dub with the Pats and yeah, heart and soul guy grinder, um, would run around and hit was a huge fan of him on Canucks. And, um, yeah, he was tremendous, and uh, I still I still got it in the in the Rubbermaid. I haven't brought it out yet, but yeah, my uh, my Rick Rippin bobblehead proudly sits here. Uh, the money went to mental health. The Regina Pats were uh, selling them uh, a few years ago, and uh, yeah, rest in peace. But yeah, he was tremendous. Number seven, Craig Cox. Well, there you go. Um, Cox. He played for the Canucks from '84 to '88. Um, Fought 33 times. Yeah, I mean, of course, his legendary fights with Bob Probert. Um, actually, the first fight with Probert was far better than the, the more publicized second one, which was a great fight, too. But look up Probert and Cox round one. It's awesome. Um, yeah, tough one in Brown and Cordick. And I love Craig Cox. Just a big surfer dude. He's from California. Surfer guy. Um, wide Fight wide open. Just didn't give a shit. Yeah, I'm down with Craig Cox. He's cool as shit, man. Number six, Darcy Hortichuk from 08 to 2010 was the main enforcer in Vancouver. Um, yeah, that, you know, how many fights did they say he had? Uh, 30. Um, yeah, I mean, I watched Darcy when he first came to the Western Hockey League at tryouts at the Saskatoon Blades, and it was like, who is this guy? And then watched him his entire career with the Blades, massive Hortichuk fan, nice guy, talked to him on a number of occasions. Um, yeah, I mean, he, play, he bounced around on a few teams, but, um, yeah, I mean, Vancouver is kind of towards the end, but I mean, would fight wide open, hit like a truck. Um, yeah, he, he was, uh, I was down with Darcy Hortichuk. Yeah, Horty's a good dude and, um, uh, a lot of fun to watch tilt. That's for sure. Go wide open against anybody. And his fight with Mel Engelstad, which was Darcy's first pro fight in the IHL. Well, it was his first pro fight, but it was in the IHL against Mel Engelstad, who was like probably the kingpin of the league at the time. Was one of the is probably one of the best hockey fights of all time. The two of them, the two were great, but the first one, unbelievable. Number five, Tiger Williams. Actually, I thought he would have been number one to be honest. Um, but seventy nine to eighty four. Uh, how many? Sixty four fights. Yeah, Tiger Williams, uh, NHL's all-time penalty minute leader, um, great player, really a power forward. I think he does certainly does not get the credit, like he's the penalty minute leader and whatever, but certainly doesn't get the credit um, for being how good as good he, as he was. Multiple thirty goals, twenty goal seasons, thirty goal seasons. Tiger was a great player and um, fought everybody, knew the role, stuck up for everybody. Um, wasn't the greatest fighter, but I mean, he'd give a shit. Um, you know, sass boy, so I can't, I'm not going to knock him, but, um, yeah, Tiger Williams, man, guy'd be making about 15 million a year if he played nowadays. Number four, Harold Snaps, four, mm-hmm. six, three, two fifty. Yeah. Snaps a big dude, fought 45 times with the Canucks. Um, 
He was a guy, I'll tell you, he uh, played for a long time. You know, that mustache, no way. Oh, and he'd get that look on his face. He'd laugh at you. Oh, man, I think it was Wendell Clark wanted to kill him. I remember watching that fight, and I wanted Wendell to get a hold of him. I hated Harold Snaps, but uh, no, you just go back. You know, big old D-man, right? Um, Glass and out, place top in front of the net. It's just one of those gritty sandpaper guys. Um, I didn't actually realize he had fought that many times. Um, but yeah, he was around back in the day. Um, yeah, man. Harold Snaps. Uh, I don't know what else is there to say. Again, I don't know. I'm not up to date on my Harold Snaps fight card or anything. I don't, I don't know. Um, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have him at number four on this list. I would have had him maybe at 20. Um, I really can't. I'm trying to think of any real stand-up to kill him. Um, but yeah, Harold Snaps. There you go. Number three, Kurt Fraser. Now, here's a guy I wish there was more, definitely more footage of in Vancouver. Um, another a great player. Fraser was the most underrated NHL fighter of all time, but people who watch the game closely, he's one of the best. Kingpin of them. Had 53 fights with the Canucks. Um, he also got into a fight in the hallway outside with Chris Nyland one night. Yeah, um, who was a Dave Farish. That's one of the one big knockouts. But yeah, man, Kurt Fraser um, fought everybody underside, but a great player. Uh, put up some really good numbers, real power forward guy. Like I said, problem being out in Vancouver is no one really saw him. I know later on when he went to Chicago and stuff, you saw more of him. But yeah, I, I think a lot of the Canucks stuff is missing, which is a real shame. But um, yeah, another one of the guys I have, I have, you know, I haven't really. Uh, I mean, like I said, I've seen the, I've seen some of his stuff in Chicago and later on in his career and. Like I said that knockout with Farish, but other than that, um, yeah, I don't know much about uh, in terms of uh, memorable fights that are sticking out with me. I'm like trying to think of Vancouver days, and um, yeah, there just isn't a lot of stuff out there. But um, I know his rep was huge amongst the players. Um, I think obviously, like they said, underrated for sure from fight fans, and like I said, just because the people didn't see him back then. But uh, yeah, from all accounts, bad dude, man. Number two, Gino Ojic fought 149 times in a, uh, 127 in the regular season. 149 total, 127 in the regular season. Uh, most all time by anyone in the Canucks uniform. Uh, Gino was one of the best heavyweights in the league for a long time to entertain fans nightly. Um, yeah, he was a hero in Vancouver. He protected Beret and, uh, yeah, I mean, what more is there to say about Gino Ojic? I remember watching the, in junior when he had the mohawk going the blonde mohawk and uh yeah big tough dude uh did his job well fought everybody um i would admittedly say I'm, i was never i i have a new appreciation from now as i'm I, with older more mature eyes but at the time i was never an ojik fan um but he was not afraid to uh cross the line he did some dirty shit um but yeah he was he was a tough dude. He had some great fights with, you know, just with Marty and uh, um, Louis DeBrusque. And uh, never really, I think the stuff with Twist kind of really annoyed me with Gino because he didn't need to do that. Um, he always seemed to like kind of jump him or just, yeah, I don't know. I just, I never liked that. But, um, well, but Gino was a tough dude. Um, yeah, without a doubt. And he had some great fights. Um you know, you know, over uh, Ray and all those guys. And uh, he did it for a long time. And 
Um, I know he's had some health issues lately, so, um, you know, hope, well, although I did see him out a little while ago there, so he looks like he's going to, you know, bounce back and do a lot better, so that's good to hear, but, uh, but yeah, hero in Vancouver without a doubt, and uh, definitely, I would, yeah, and then number one, Donald Brush here. I know people might hate to hear that, but I mean, yeah, one, two, I'd ha- that's, that's how I'd have it too. Um, six, three, two, thirty during his playing days. One reason, um, spent four full seasons, spent four full seasons and two partial seasons with the Canucks, ninety six to oh one, fought eighty three times. Um, yeah, he, you know, he left, came into, started with Montreal. You know, was young guy just trying to find his way, and uh, you know. Once he got to Vancouver and, and and figured things out, he was a force. And I know a lot of people shit on Brash here, and they don't like him. And and I, you know, hey, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm not a Brash guy either. But at the same time, I always say you got to give got to give him his due. And um, I know he's definitely in my top ten of all time. Um, really, I mean, people might, but pff, videos, video, man, go back and watch the evidence. I mean, you could probably count uh, two, ha- you know, how many fights he lost when he was in his prime. Not many. Uh, you know, and, uh, like I said, you can say whatever you want about an old huggy bear and all his style and everything else, but, you know, he, he fought on his terms and, um, he wasn't doing it so a bunch of geeks sitting on a fight board can give the win-loss record or, you know, shit on his punching or whatever. I mean, he didn't give a shit. Um, yeah, man, it, uh, there you have it. Donald Brashear, number one of the Vancouver all-time top 20 fighters list. I can't argue with that. So, uh, no, that was a real solid list. I, like I said, I can't, I mean, some of his, you know, I, I wouldn't have snaps there and Natoski and stuff. I'd move a few guys around, but phew, you throw all those names in there. That's a solid list, man. I don't know I, off the top of my head, like, who, you know, you got Mayor Strudwig or whatever missing, but, you know, overall, that's, you know, shit, dude was throwing Fraser and Richter and them in there, so... You know, for a writer of Bleacher Report, I can't take the piss out of that article. Uh, compared to some of the lists we've done, that was solid, man. So, there you go, the history of the Canucks. You know, and I and I know Tony and Chris, all those Vancouver guys out there, I always bust their balls. But, man, the Canucks have had some tough shit, tough dudes over the years, man, some tough teams. And, you know, those late 90s Canucks teams, oh, go back and look at those rosters. Um, you know, I always bust their balls, you know, and all that. But, yeah, there's no denying you know, um, they've had some good shit out there, but, uh, and it was, like I said earlier in the eighties and stuff, it was a real shame that, um, you know, a lot of that footage isn't out there. Just, you know, the late games, people weren't recording and whatever. So a lot of stuff is lost, which is unfortunate, but, um, yeah, good history, solid history of toughness in Vancouver for sure. Um, although you wouldn't know by that lately, but I mean, you could make that, you could make that article for, or that statement for 98% of the teams. So, um, yeah, guys, there you have it. Uh, kind of a mishmashy episode, although that list was a lot of fun. I like that. Thank you very much for sending that. And uh, like I said, I've, I've, uh, if you're listening and you have not voted, enforcervote at gmail.com. Send me your top 10 list. I'm going to review them all Tuesday after work and record. And Wednesday's episode will be the Fight Fans Top 10 of all time. Might be seeing Brush here again. We'll see. But um, I'm really looking forward to see how that list pans out and see what people are talking about so um looking forward to doing that and uh as we draw closer to christmas hopefully uh uh you know santa will bring us some good shit so 
So we'll see. But uh, in the meantime, I'm going to get out of here. It is 1130 at night. And as you can tell, I'm losing my voice. And I got to work tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. So I'm not real real thrilled about that. But uh, yeah, guys, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. If you're on social media, uh, check me out on Twitter and Facebook at Fourth Line Voice, as well as on YouTube. Fourth Line Voice, I have over 2,600 fights. All the fight, all different leagues from junior to pro. Whatever league you're looking for. I have them all sorted, so just type in the little search, little search thing. NHL, WHL, go QMJHL. Go check out some Gino Ojek Laval footage, um, and actually some AHL. I got some Donald Brashear AHL stuff too. Um, but yeah, check that out and uh, subscribe to the to the channel. And uh, yeah, I'd really appreciate it. And in the, oh, and whatever plat, I always say this, but that you know. But whatever platform you happen to be listening to this show on, could you rate and review my show? It helps me out in the searches when people are, are you know, if they listen to something and you might like this related show. Um, so if you could do that, that would definitely help me out. And as I always say, I know it sounds corny, but seriously, um, if you're listening to this show, could you download the episode? Do not stream the episodes. I get paid by the download. I know it sounds so goofy at me, but it's true. And, uh, Plus, it helps with the numbers and just to see. Like I said, I like to see the numbers just to see what's hitting and what's not. And I can tell by when you look at the numbers and the demographics and blah, 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 and the whole analytics thing of it. We can only do that if you're downloading. I can't do it if you're streaming. So, um, But above all, I get paid if you download. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. So um, with that, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you guys have... If you're listening to this uh, on Sunday, I hope the rest of your weekend goes well. And if you're listening to it during the week, let's attack the work week, folks, and I'll talk to you on Wednesday. Thanks, everybody. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?